Good morning, everyone. Thanksgiving is T minus three days away, right? Is everybody ready? Everybody's ready? Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, and um, this past week, uh, some of you might have have noted this day, but this past week it, we um, remembered um, three years without our friend, Pastor Wayne. He uh, passed away from cancer um, three years ago this past week. And so with Thanksgiving being so close and us wanting to remember and honor our friend, there's only one way to do that, right? Like, we have to have some Thanksgiving jokes today. So, uh, for those of you who didn't know Pastor Wayne, um, he was a treasure trove of jokes. We're not going to call them good jokes, but a treasure trove of jokes. Um, and he would tell them at the beginning of every one of his sermons, um, whether it had anything to do with the sermon at all, but that wasn't the point, right? So, I've got a few for us here. And of course, the measure of a Wayne-worthy joke is not by the laughter, but by the groans in the room, okay? So we'll be measuring it in that way today. Uh, why did the farmer separate the chicken and the turkey? Because he suspected foul play. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. It's bad, y'all. These are bad. Um, what do you call a running turkey? Fast food. <laughs> Although turkeys, I don't feel like they run that fast. But what is a turkey's favorite Thanksgiving food? What was that? Chicken. chicken. Yeah, they, they want us to eat the chicken, right? But in actuality, it's nothing because the turkey is already stuffed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, this might be the worst one of all. <laughs> but what kind of music did the pilgrims listen to? Plymouth Rock. Mm -hmm. Jeremy liked that one. Okay, so maybe at Thanksgiving, your family has a tradition of all going around and sharing jokes. And if so, then no need to thank me after the service. You're welcome. You've already got some slam dunks already lined up. Um, but I am curious, what is one of your family traditions? So I'm going to give you just a second to turn and, and talk to your neighbor and share what is one family tradition that you have on Thanksgiving Day. Go. A good chatter here. All right. I'm going to ask you to report back. And I heard a lot of chatter, so don't act like you didn't talk about anything, okay? Uh, what are some of your family traditions? Somebody tell me. Watching football games, right? Watching football games. Anybody got another one? Lee? What, what we're all thankful for. We'll come back to that one. Somebody else? Quail hunting, all right. Nice. Somebody else? The plant already packed for bread. You know, I've, I've went, I, 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 I don't have the grit for Black Friday shopping. I can't get in there. They took me one time, my parents did, or my, my mom and sister, they're like, Laura Kay, we just need you to be our driver. I'm like, okay, I can be a driver. I can drop you off. And then they said, okay, Laura Kay, we really need you to come inside Target, and we need you to be a blocker. They have like technical terms for these things. Do I look like a blocker to you all? No, but there was some TV they were trying to get to. Anyway, they fired me and I don't get invited to go back. But 
Some people are really good at these things. All right. Somebody else, a tradition. No other traditions? You don't watch the parade? Nobody watches the parade, right? You sing? What do you sing? That's a good one. That's a good one. I like that. Well, um, Lee mentioned this, but, but sometimes families take this, this time together to kind of count their blessings, right? To go around, to say all the things they're thankful for. And sometimes I think we think, you know, that's kind of cute. It's kind of quaint. It's something that children do. But here's the reality. The truth is gratitude is a profound spiritual practice, a profound spiritual practice that has the power and the potential to transform our lives like few things can. It plays this vital part in us enjoying the fullness of life with God, not just one day when we get in heaven, but here and now in the present. And so the past few weeks, we've been exploring all these different prayers, right? Prayers like help when we call out to God. Prayers like show me your glory. Prayers like Father, forgive them that we talked about last week. But today we turn our attention to a very small but mighty prayer that helps us live into this spiritual practice of gratitude. It's only two words long. Thank you. The scriptures, they're filled with all kinds of different examples of people praying this simple prayer to God. However, today we're going to focus in on someone who God's people would have looked at and said, this is a scandalous role model for us. If you have your Bible, we're going to Luke chapter 17. And there, in verse 11, it tells us this. It says, Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Okay, so Jesus is taking this journey. And to help us visualize this, actually have us a map. And whenever you look at it, one of the first things you're probably going to notice is that it seems like Jesus is taking the long way around, right? The shortest distance between two places is a straight line. But Jesus is hanging this big right to go around something. Can you tell what that something is? Samaria, right? As a good Jewish person, Jesus would, would not go through Samaria because the Jewish people and the Samaritans, they were at odds. They did not mix and mingle at all, primarily because they disagreed about just one thing, one thing that had come between them and that had festered and grown over the years. And that one thing was that they couldn't agree on where to worship God. The Jewish people said, we need to worship God at the temple in Jerusalem. While the Samaritans said, no, we're supposed to worship him at Mount Gerizim, which some of the ruins still remain of today. But this one thing had come between them. And so because they couldn't agree on where they should worship God, at some point in time, they had parted ways and let this bitterness fester between them. And the result was that when you were in Galilee and you wanted to go to Jerusalem, you would take this long way around. You would go through this area that was kind of like no man's land, this space that was created so that these two groups of people who didn't like one another wouldn't have to meet. Verse 12, it continues on. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. Luke doesn't tell us the name of this village that Jesus was going through, 
but really it was beside the point. What's important here for us to notice is that this group of men, they are outside of the village and not because they wanted to be there. They're outside the village because they had to be there. They had leprosy, which when you read through the Bible, it's, it's uh, something that comes up pretty frequently, but it's this very loose term for any kind of skin condition that someone would have experienced. In most cases, these skin diseases, they weren't that serious and they weren't even contagious. But the important thing was, in the Jewish people's mind, these outward sores were evidence of inward sinfulness. And so they were considered unclean. They're not allowed to go into the worship to temple uh, in the temple. And they, and they furthermore weren't allowed to go into, come into contact with anyone else who might be going into the temple to worship as well, because their uncleanliness was considered contagious. And so they had to live outside of the city or the village that they had been a part of. They had to stand at a distance. They had to, to leave their hair unkept. They had to wear torn clothes. They had to cover up um, part of their face, like over their mouths. And they would stay away and they would call out to anyone who dared to, to accidentally even come near them, unclean, unclean. They had one job in this life, and that was to keep everyone else away from them. And so, in most cases, their social isolation was actually much worse than their physical condition. Now, until a few years ago, you and I, we, we might not have really been able to relate to the isolation that lepers experienced. However, during the pandemic, we learned a thing or two about having to isolate from one another, didn't we? You might remember when our weekend plans kind of looked like this, where we were deciding where we might go in our home because it was the only place where we could go. You might remember when um, our kids' zone experience looked like a Zoom screen, when we would, would uh, put our kids in front of a, a computer and, and help them learn what they could and connect with one another. You might remember when we showed our love for one another, not by giving hugs, but by putting signs in one another's yards. You might remember when we had to do Christmas Eve service like this. Was anybody here? It was hard to know who was here because it was so cold, you guys. Everyone was covered. They had their mask and then they had their hats and their scarves. Um, but if you're looking, you can see these beautiful lights, right? And you might think that they were candles because we always do Christmas Eve candlelight service. But these are actually cell phones because it was so cold and it was so windy that every time that we would go to light our candles, it would be good to take it out. <laughs> In fact, at one point I was lighting the Christ candle and I said, and the uh, darkness has not and it cannot and it will not overcome the light and it went out. <laughs> Luckily, everybody giggled, right? But I don't know about you all. I don't ever want to go back there. It was hard, wasn't it? But for these lepers, there was no waiting for the numbers to come down. For these lepers, there was no waiting until you had a negative test. For these lepers, this was something that they had to endure from the moment they were diagnosed until they died. There were no workarounds except to team up with other lepers and to live your life with them. And, and that's what these men had done. 
They're outside of this village. These 10 lepers are standing there together. They're, they're with the only people that they can be with. And as they see Jesus coming in verse 13, they called out, it says, in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Somehow, these 10 men who've been quarantined in no man's land have heard about Jesus. Perhaps they've even heard about how he had healed a leper back in Galilee. And so, instead of shamefully calling out their usual message, unclean, unclean, they instead um, call out master Instead of like diverting attention away from themselves, they're actually trying to draw Jesus's attention to them. Rather than cowering in humiliation, they find the courage to cry out in expectation, have pity on us. And Jesus, he did not disappoint. Luke says that when he saw them, he said this. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. And whenever we read that, we might kind of look at that and say, like, that's kind of weird from Jesus, right? Like, why would Jesus, you know, have them call out to him as master and then he send them to someone else? Is he passing the buck here? Kind of like when Lincoln comes to me and he says, hey, mom, do you want to play Minecraft with me? Do you all know this game? And it's like so far over my head and I have no idea how to do it. And so what do I say? Like, go ask your dad if he wants to play or my younger son, he loves Blippy. Do you all know Blippy? Yes. If you know, you know, right? If he says, Mommy, watch Blippy with me. Go see what your dad's doing right now. You know, like, is that what Jesus is doing here? Is he passing the buck? But when we remember that these men were considered unclean, these words of Jesus, they take on new meaning. Jesus is not passing the buck. Rather, he is telling them that their healing has already begun. Remember, they can't go to the temple. They can't go to the priest and, unless they want to be severely punished, right? Unless their condition was gone. Only then could a priest examine them. Only then could a priest declare them clean. Only then could the priest perform all the ritual sacrifices and initiate them back into the community. The lepers, they knew this. They knew that them being healed was the only way that they could go and see the priest. And so all of them, all 10 of them, they take off in that direction. All of them show great faith because in that instant when Jesus says this, their sores still remain. But it is as they are going that every last one of them are healed. Wow, right? If we stop the story right here, we'd have this really amazing story about the power of Jesus and, and what is possible when you and I obey him in faith. But just when you think this story is over, Luke, he throws us for this big loop. He introduces to us not just one, but two surprises. Here's surprise number one. Surprise number one is that as the men were going, there is one man who looks down and he sees that his sores are gone. And instead of doing what Jesus has clearly asked of him, he rebels a little bit. He goes rogue and he turns around. He comes back to Jesus and he does three things when he gets to him. He praises God. He throws himself at the feet of Jesus and he thanks him. 
And that's when surprise number two is revealed. Luke finally reveals, and he was a Samaritan. This is like a record scratch moment, okay? Like all the Jewish people listening to this story being told, they would have gasped. Like, no way this is happening here. This Samaritan, a foreigner, an outsider, an enemy is being held up as the example for us? Surely not. However, this outcast times two, a leper and a Samaritan, this person who is the most left out of this entire bunch of misfits, he has been able to somehow see what everyone else has missed. He has realized that he does not have to go to the temple of God to praise him. He has realized that he doesn't need to go back to Mount Gerizim. He has realized that God himself is already right there in front of him in the person of Jesus. He has realized that he could show his deep faith and, and respect and appreciation right then and right there by falling on his face before God come in the flesh. And so Luke continues on. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This phrase, rise and go, it's the same word that early Christians would have used to describe resurrection. It is an expression that makes it clear that this one man, he's not only been physically uh, healed from his skin condition, but rather he has now been given full and abundant life. He has been made whole and, and well in every way possible. In this story, 10 people are healed by Jesus. All of them get the same gift, but only one of them receives the fuller blessing. And that man's gratitude, recognizing that, that it's Jesus who is doing this, is what made the difference. What about us? Will we receive the fuller blessing? Will we have eyes to see when God himself shows up right in front of us and express our thanks to him? Or will we be like the other nine lepers? You know, there's plenty of things that distract us, plenty of things that kind of blind us and keep us from seeing. Um, but the even harder part of that is that oftentimes I, I don't even think we realize just how distracted that we are. Um, a few weeks ago, Jeremy and I, we ran the same course along with, with Carla. We ran the same course and uh, we went around the same 13.1 miles and we got to the end of the race and Jeremy looked at me and he said, did you see this? And did you see that? What was your favorite part? The riverfront was my favorite part. And all I could do was look at him and said, those things were on the course. Like I hadn't seen any of that. I had no idea what he was talking about. Um, because, you know, I was kind of consumed with just putting one foot in front of the other and not tripping over everyone and just wanting it to be done, right? That was all that was on my mind. But in a similar way, we can be moving through this life so fast, just trying to survive, that, that we can be going from one point to the next and just be oblivious to all of these good gifts that God himself is putting right in front of us and miss our chance to thank him for it. I kind of think that's what happened to the other 
nine lepers. You know, they're going to the temple. They're being cleansed. And they have to be excited about it. They're probably already thinking through like what it's going to be like to be reunited with their family and friends. They're, they're probably dreaming about what it's going to be like to get to be a part of the community again. But they're so caught up in all of that that they, they kind of missed out on recognizing the giver of the gift that had been standing right in front of them. Or maybe they were so focused on following the rules, like going through all the rituals and the sacrifices that it took for them to be declared clean, that they had missed the more relational thing that was happening, that God had been in their very midst in no man's land. Or perhaps some of them thought that they had kind of healed themselves, that they had earned it or deserved it because of their own actions, failing to see the grace that Jesus was giving them in that moment. We all kind of get those things, right? We can get caught up in all those same lines of thinking. We can so easily lose sight of what God is doing and has done for us. However, that's where gratitude comes in. You see, gratitude is a practice that helps us to see again. Oftentimes, I think we assume that that gratitude is something that we feel, right? It's something that we feel when the circumstances in our lives are just right. But the truth of the matter is, gratitude is not so much a feeling as it is an action. It is something we deliberately do that then it causes the result of us experiencing that fuller and more abundant life with God. It's kind of like the age-old debate. What comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? Maybe you have opinions on this. If you're trying to avoid religion and politics at Thanksgiving, just bring this up, all right? What came first? But this, the, the same thing kind of applies here. What, what comes first? I think we often assume that, that what comes first is experiencing fullness and abundance, and then boom, we're grateful for that. However, the truth of the matter is, is that we've gotten this upside down and inside out and backwards. Gratitude is a practice. It's a practice that unlocks so much goodness in our life. It opens up the floodgates to abundance. Listen again to all the actions that that one leper took. He comes back to Jesus and he praises God, an action that recognizes that every good gift is from him. And then he throws himself at Jesus' feet, an action that, that, that reveals that he thinks there's something special about Jesus. It's an act of reverence and awe, an act of recognizing the authority of someone else and submitting yourself to them. And then finally, he thanks Jesus. He realizes this is not something he has earned or something he has deserved, but that this is grace at work in this very moment. Then it's after those actions that fullness follows. Um, I was reading recently about a practice amongst uh, devout Orthodox Jews, which we ran through uh, a community. It was very different, wasn't it, Brittany? Like you run through and there's like... um, uh, cheers and people everywhere and craziness. And then you go through there and it gets fairly quiet. And they think that you're a crazy person for running through their streets in New York City. But um, this, was, this was about such a community. Um, but what they have done to develop this, this practice of thanking God and keeping their eyes open and seeing him everywhere is that they have set a goal. 
And their goal is to pray 100 blessings a day. 100. That's a lot, right? And so if you go into Orthodox neighborhoods, you can actually hear like the low hum of all of these blessings being said. In the Talmud, there's, there are blessings for almost anything you can think of, like sunrises and sunsets, um, the, the taste of different things for fragrances, uh, for trees and mountains, for even, even thunder and lightning. But this action of reciting all of these blessings, what it does is it, it helps them to see like the leper. It helps them be aware of God's presence and his gifts throughout their day. That's what gratitude is all about. In fact, if you go back and you drill down to find what, what this, this word um, is rooted in, uh, what you find is what this word means is to connect to the divine. Being grateful is this powerful spiritual practice because it is the equivalent to us experiencing God's presence in our lives. And so here's your challenge. How about taking that, that tradition some of our families have to count your blessings, to go around and say all the things you're thankful for, just usually that one time a year, and try to bring that practice into every day. Pick one meal. Maybe you do it as a family. Maybe you do it as yourself. But take some time. Take action to open your eyes wide. And to see the good gifts that God has given you and to recognize God's presence, just like he was present with that Samaritan leper. And so let's practice this together now. How about that? Don't leave me hanging, guys. We're going to try something different. Um, I'm going to open us up in prayer, and then I'm going to leave space. And I'm going to invite you to call out just one thing that you are grateful for today. Let's practice this together and experience God's presence and fullness. Lord God, we come before you today praising you, praising you like that leper, praising you, noticing that you are here, noticing that you are pouring out your goodness into our lives. And God, we throw our feet, ourselves at the feet of Jesus, recognizing that he is the giver of every good gift in our lives. And we take this moment to say thank you. If you would, just call out in one sentence the thing you're most grateful for today. Lord God, for all these gifts and so many more, we give you thanks today. May we experience the fullness of knowing that you are here, present with us in this and every moment. Amen.